0: Thank you all for allowing me to join you all today and share a brief update of what we're seeing on the front lines with COVID-19. A lot of questions about a
1: possible third dose. So let's bring in an expert. Dr. Danny Branstetter
0: is an infectious disease specialist for Wellstar Health System. Doctor, thanks so much for being here.
1: AS46 is your vaccine team. We are answering your questions, including this one. Question, Dr. Danny Branstetter from Wellstar. So who is Dr. Danny Brenstetter? Well, you've come to the right place. Thank you listeners for tuning into Georgia HFMA's very first podcast episode. My name is Adam Gobin and I am your host for today's interview. We have the pleasure of sitting down virtually with a superstar you've most likely seen on the news or at a local town hall discussing updates on everything COVID, Dr. Danny Brenstetter.
0: Hello, listeners. I am uh, Danny Brandstetter. I am an infectious disease physician uh, by training. I've been in practice for about 12 years now. I'm a, I've done both the academic side and the private healthcare side. Previous to becoming a physician, um, I actually was a nurse practitioner uh, doing uh, bedside trauma nursing and cardiac uh, intervention care. Most recently, I have completed a degree at Harvard in a master's in healthcare management. So I'm happy to speak with you today.
1: Thanks so much. You've got a lot of experience, and a lot of our audience probably seen you on on the news, on TV. Um, you've been here locally at Wellstar, uh, been attending and facilitating many uh, town halls related to COVID, and then related to the COVID vaccine as well. Um, What are, just for the audience's sake, what are most of the common questions or the top ones that you're getting out in the field?
0: And then maybe do you mind just clearing those up? So one of the biggest questions I get asked is when is this going to be over? And that probably started um, in January 2020 uh, when we first started dealing with covid And I think that was a big up in the air question. Um, Some people thought this may fizzle out like SARS um, and just be a couple of months. And here we are um, almost two years later um, since the first reported cases uh, over in Asia continent um, in China and looking at um, this transmission across the globe. Most of the surges that we've seen in this pandemic have been related to new variants. So want to clear that up real quick. So variants are expected. So variants happen in every person in each infection. When one of those variants takes a hold and becomes the predominant strain that starts spreading within the community, that's when we really see these surges happen. The most recent throughout the globe and within the United States has been the Delta variant. Now there's several other variants out there that have been enough circulation in communities that they're being tracked and certainly um, some of those are of interest um, but none are really piquing the interest and and having the concern that delta had Um, we are seeing some interesting trends um, within these spread two-month variations rise and fall of these surges some of that um, is still unexplained. So that is more that the epidemiologists and our scientists still have to gather data to try to explain why this phenomenon happened for COVID. So when is this? what does that mean for the original question? When is this going to be over? Well, the thing that we have to keep in mind is that COVID is here to stay. It is going to be one of our respiratory viruses that we now deal with much like influenza. So it will be here. But the pandemic, the pandemic will actually go out with kind of a fizzle. It'll actually be one of those things where we just stop talking about COVID and we'll realize that it's been a week, two weeks, a month since we've talked about COVID. And that's when we'll know that the pandemic has really kind of fizzled out. Um, There is no set date to know that, yes, after two years, we're done with this pandemic or after 20 months or even after so many people have been vaccinated. Um, All of those things are still up in the air to determine whether or not um, that we'll be able to get to a, a solid number to say this pandemic is over.
1: Dr. Bransetter, you mentioned a top question you get is when is this going to be over, and on that topic, when we look out into the future, just like you mentioned, uh, variants are going to continue to be uh, likely, what does the future look like in your mind? Are masks going to be the norm? Um, What do you think?
0: So, I think um, trying to predict the future, um, I think that there will be some regular cadence by which we will need to be um, vaccinated against COVID um, as we know it, SARS coronavirus 2. That will probably be driven mostly by a variant out there. Um, The immunization levels within the communities um, may determine that. This is still to be determined. But I think variants are going to be the primary driver of future vaccine needs within a community after receiving a baseline vaccination status. So then we're going to see periodic flare-ups of COVID in a community. And much like we see the seasonal variation of influenza. And with that, we may see some recommendations of um, increased enhancement to prevention measures, like wearing a mask when you're out in public, particularly if you're vulnerable or unvaccinated or cannot get a vaccine. Um, Those people may be encouraged to continue to wear masks or get an additional booster for vaccines and or hand wash. I actually think that we may see these measures of preventing respiratory viruses happen even during our flu season goes forward. There's been a great impact um, on the amount of influenza that is transmitted in our communities um, by using all these measures. So um, we're encroaching upon now the influenza season, which is typically the December, January, February timeframe for us here in the southeast. So I do think that we're going to see um, the tracking of influenza and some more enhancements of how to prevent that with these uh, respiratory preventions of watching your distance, wearing your mask, and washing your hands.
1: A big challenge today, um, and I'm sure the audience can relate, is being able to maneuver through and manage uh, all the disinformation that's out there. Um, The latest thing uh, that's come up is the Nicki Minaj tweet um, about you know some hearsay related to her family and and what she heard and then put it posting that out onto Twitter in front of 20 million plus um, followers and you know and people take those things seriously if it's your role model if it's you know uh, someone you trust um, when they share information that may not necessarily come with uh hard facts um it's a tough thing so do you have any any words of advice for our audience and for folks that might be listening um when guiding around disinformation and and credible sources of information
0: yeah so i think there's been a lot of lessons learned during COVID and and things highlighted um I, I think the epidemic of misinformation um, it not only relates to covid um, and infections, but throughout our globe on um, many different topics. Um, so it is something that we need as a society to be aware of and how we process information and think through uh, those different policies and 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 policy is probably not the right word is is the information out there? and where is it coming from? Um, COVID um, stressed us for a, a lot of ways, particularly medical information, because new information was changing so rapidly. And so we would come out with some recommendations, enhance those recommendations, sometimes go back on those recommendations. The most recent one that I can think of is, um, you didn't need to wear a mask if you got vaccinated. Um, and when you're out in public, oops, no, when we're seeing Delta surge, we, we really think it's best to prevent further spread um, that you wear a mask out there. Um, so a lot of these transitions is not something that we were really used to seeing with it, particularly medical information. Um, so it was something that uh, I think we're still getting accustomed to is that rapid dynamic of shift in information, even from credible sources that's number one that I think contributed to some of our angst in our society around information. Number two is misinformation, and there's a ton of it out there. And there's a ton of it out there that seem to come from credible sources. Um, And so I think that it is really an onus on each and every one of us to, number one, um, check and to make sure that we know um, the information that we're distributing and to preface it by saying, here's the source of the information that I'm coming to you with, whether it's the CDC or a particular study. And that way, if we know if that changes from that source or an additional study verifies or um, refutes the information we've pretty uh, pre- previously ca- had, then we can go back and all be on the same page rather easily, um, and that is very very hard to do in a global pandemic as information happens so quickly. And why did it happen so quickly? Well, that was a need. We wanted to get as much information to communities as we needed and and could to help them plan and prepare and combat this pandemic. So that led to a lot of information getting out there very, very quickly, sometimes without even um, having a a clear identity of, is this a verified information? So I think that all those things contributed to the demand for information, um, the wanting to fulfill that information, and then um, the rapidly changing information as we learned more, um, all led to confusion, which we're still trying to sort through. So my advice, try to keep your one trusted source, I would recommend NIH, CDC, WHO are three good um, sources for that, Um, and that way you can contract uh, what they're saying and what the sources of the recommendations are coming from.
1: You've attended countless town halls and done so many TV interviews. Um, What has been your biggest learning lesson throughout this whole pandemic?
0: I I think that the the one of the biggest challenges and, and learning lessons that I've taken away is that it takes a village. Um, so it is not just the medical community can put the recommendations out there. It really takes the buy-in from the civic and, and the uh, community leaders to really get that information out there and to really support the same action so we're all rowing in the same direction for the same outcome and so we can get there quicker. Um but it, it can't be done with one particular entity. Um it has to really be the concerted effort. And we saw that over and over and again in multiple communities throughout this pandemic. We would ask, you know, watch um, how many many, uh, events you're attending. What are we trying to do to get people to get more vaccines? Um, What are we doing to try to get people tested? Um, uh, What are we doing to try to combat um, the uh, way we care for people who are in skilled nursing facilities or uh, need to be long-term medical care? Uh, How are we keeping those safe? All this was really a combined effort uh, for all those different entities, all the way from state and federal agencies and governments to local leaders to civic uh, institutions, religious institutions. So it really was this nice community feel that we came together, um, and despite our difference of opinion sometimes, um, we decided on the best course of action to go forward, and um, I think we are finally seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and, and, and striking a good cadence of where we're at and what we need to do to deal with, with these different surges and uh, to try to keep our community safe. Dr. Mansitter, you're always on. I can't imagine how busy
1: you are and what your schedule looks like. Um, we just know you're super busy and super famous. So how do you how do you end your day? How do you cope day to day just in general, mental health wise?
0: So you, you touch on a great topic, mental health and mental wellness, uh, the, the pandemic really kind of highlighted to me the importance of uh, mental health, not only for myself, but also for everyone in my community. And a lot of the times the things that we're doing to keep ourselves physically safe are adding to mental stresses and, and mental unwellness. Um, and such as isolation, that's a big, big issue. Um, and certainly uh, something that we need to be very cognizant of. So for me, um, it's uh, finding those things that I enjoy, hobbies, um, interacting with people, um, uh, being a very much a spiritually minded person and very much rely on my faith. I think it's spending time there and making sure that I don't uh, let that lag despite how busy I am. Um, and I think making sure that all that well-roundedness comes together and then if I need help um, not to be afraid to ask for it and whatever that meant, help with work items, help with home items and with from family and friends, um, those things are always important and to remember it not only takes a community to ba- battle a pandemic, it takes a community to help everyone survive and do well and thrive in life. So um, we have friends and family that we can rely on um, and certainly I would encourage your listeners If they have mental issues or wellness issues, particularly with uh, stress, um, depression, anxiety, even suicide um, uh, thoughts, um, please seek uh, behavioral health guidance. Um, They're available online virtually um, and a lot of times 24-7. So please reach out. Um, You are cared about and it is important you get that address sooner than later because there is help out there for you. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Branstetter.
1: We appreciate all you do for us on the front
0: lines. My pleasure. and glad to be part of an awesome team. And it's been a pleasure working with you, Adam.
1: And that's a wrap. Just like that, our Georgia HFMA episode one podcast is done. And we're so thrilled that Dr. Branstetter kicked it off for us. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast series on your favorite stations, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And we'd love to hear from you. So write us a review, give us some feedback. Thanks again for your support. And look out for our next podcast coming later this month.